Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Welcome to New Life. We're glad you're here. Welcome in Modesto. Welcome in Decula. Welcome online. We're in welcome, certainly, in Lathrop here. Somebody say amen. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Yes. Praise God. Well, we're going to do something very special. Before we do, I want to share with you, uh, first of all, give a little word of encouragement to our churches. Last week, we had an incredible outreach at our Modesto campus. Uh, we had the biggest crowd that church has seen, from what I understand, and in over 13 years, and we've had the campus now for a couple of years. God has blessed. It was a wonderful, wonderful time, and we, we're grateful. And I've been watching the folks that are there right now, and there's a great anticipation when we have an incredible outreach that everybody's going to come back the next week. Part of what we do is we grip the plow, and we stay faithful unto the Lord. And we keep on keeping on. There is an overarching theme that I had a, 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 a talk with a friend of mine on Thursday night in my backyard. So we're talking about this theme in the Bible of perseverance. You just never, ever give up. And I'm looking and I'm seeing the crowd and I'm seeing a few extra folks there tonight. We're so grateful. And I know there was probably some anticipation that the house of the Lord would be full. If we're doing our part, it is the Spirit's job. God said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let's be faithful unto the Lord, even unto the end. I also want to encourage you, so we're grateful for what God is doing in Modesto, and we had an incredible outreach last night in Manteca. Tomorrow is our grand opening for that campus. There were in excess of 500 people that attended our skate night last night, and it was incredible. Edwin... And Ashley did an amazing job just jamming out and all of our volunteers and just, it was incredibly organized and very, very well attended. We're grateful for it. We're hoping to fill every, every seat in that auditorium number eight tomorrow in Manteca. Here tonight, we're so grateful for your attendance and your faithfulness and being here. You are not uh, a small person in the eyes of God. You are the apple of his eye and it is important that you're engaged in a part here at the church. In Georgia, we're bumping into issues there with our variance application and so they're having to have church with no invitation and they're not allowed to invite anybody uh, with any sort of flyer or a card or banner we can't put a sign up we can't do anything until the variance goes through with the city but the, fortunately the person at the city who's in charge of the discipline of these things happens to be a believer so I'm working with her and saying, well, then what can we do? Because we're going to do something. I'm just going to be honest with you. And she's like, well, you can, you can have church. You just can't invite anybody traditionally. So I'm calling it the underground church right now. And so I'm praying, praying that you, I, I would ask that you partner with us in prayer for the underground church in Decula, Georgia, as they're inviting people the old school way, like with our mouths, folks. That's what we do, right? We personally invite people to come to the house of the Lord. Um, I was called by one of the people, one of our volunteers. They're all volunteers there at that church. And he said, you know, I feel like we, I, we really need to have some live worship, but I'm, I'm afraid. And I'm really proud of him because I get a text message today. Pastor Brian and I did that he's going to lead worship with his guitar tomorrow morning. I'm just going to go for it anyway. So go just pray that God will do something special there. And I'm so proud. God has been doing amazing work in our Spanish church that meets on Sunday mornings. And Pastor Veronica happens to be here tonight. We're so proud of her and the team that's working in our Spanish church. And the growth and the people that are coming to know Christ and fortifying tremendous relationships with Jesus. It's an exciting time to be a part of New Life Church. More than more importantly, it's an exciting time to be part of the kingdom of God and what he's doing all over the place. Sometimes we have, we have exciting additions and other times we have 
exciting subtractions by way of commissioning and that's what we're going to do that's what we're going to do this evening and so i'm going to ask that our one of our dear interns and leaders here at new life if ashley gaspar if you would join me up here on the stage at this time please we appreciate ashley so much ashley is one of our interns she is a second year intern She's worked really hard academically, so she'll be, she's got all of her coursework just about complete from what I understand for a second year internship. But Ashley has been this year our kids ministries director and our, our uh, curriculum developer um, in that she takes my message every Tuesday when I publish it and send it out by email to the leadership team. And she transforms that message into a curriculum for all of our children's leaders throughout the network that can then teach the same story at a level that kids can understand. It takes a great talent to be able to do that, Ashley. Ashley, at the same time, have been serving, come on over here, sweetheart. Um, at the same time, have been serving us here at New Life. She's also been in college uh, and she completed in just a year, two years of intense studies for her um, associate's degree. And now Ashley has been accepted into a, a pretty difficult program in the nursing school and at Stanislaus State. And she'll be headed down to become a nurse. But I just got to tell you, I am so proud of Ashley because um, she's stepping away. We're, we're, we're calling it pausing. She's pausing her internship while she pursues this advanced education. And Ashley has a dream. Step over here so they can see you a little bit more. I'm sorry about that thing being so tall, Ashley. Um, <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. So Ashley, tell us about your dream. What is God going to do for you? What's God going to do for you? Well, I've received a call in my life to pursue medical missions. And I'm just so excited to see how God will use my training in nursing and um, how he's going to send me out to the mission field someday. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I imagine that's a... I imagine that's a, a double-edged sword for mom and dad, right? Because, yeah, you're like so proud of your baby, but you don't want to let your baby. But I'm telling you what, Ashley's, when, when, when I had the privilege of attending your precious grandmother's uh, Celebration of Life gathering, and I heard all that she had done missions-wise in the Philippines, and, and then I heard your story, and I got to wonder is maybe God isn't going to use you in the medical missions. And I think Ashley might very well be the first missionary that we sent out of the New Life Network since we started to serve as a medical missionary as a way to bring people to know Jesus Christ. I am so proud of Ashley. So tonight, New Life family, we are going, all of us have benefited from Ashley. Um, and so we are going to pray for her and we're going to commission her. I'm going to ask Ashley if you'll step down there on the floor, please, at this time. Thank you so much. And I'm going to ask our elders and our pastors and all of our church family, if you'll come and gather around Ashley. Pastor Tasha as the campus pastor. Here's some anointing oil. I'm going to ask that you would anoint her, please. And we're going to pray. Uh, I'll lead you in prayer, but we're going to pray a prayer of commissioning over her tonight. And uh, those of you in Modesto, those of you joining us online, would you please take a moment? This is a, not a time to check out. It's a time to pray. Would you pray with us for Ashley Gaspar? Please, ladies and gentlemen, come forward if you can and lay hands on, on her as we anoint her with oil. Mighty, mighty God, we come together tonight thanking you for Ashley Gaspar. This girl has been so faithful unto you. God, she has a, she's a, a young woman after your own heart. And so God, we pray that you would strengthen her and bless her. The chapter, Lord, that she is closing right now uh, as an intern here, as a servant, as a leader, God, it's not forever, but it's hitting the pause button because now she's moving into this area of education to advance her understanding in the medical field. God, I pray that you would bless her 
God, I pray that you bless her in her coming and her going. Lord, I pray that you protect her in all the travels she's gonna do down to Stanislaus State and back home regularly. I pray, God, that you give her wisdom beyond her years, understanding. Lord, I pray that um, what she studies would stick. I ask, Lord God, that you'd be preparing her through every lecture, through every assignment, through every lab that she does. I pray, God, that she'd be fully prepared for the work that is at hand, the task that awaits her, God, in the mission field. I bless her, Lord God, and I thank you for this young lady who represents you so well and with excellence. So God, today we commission Ashley Gaspar in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, knowing that greater things are yet to come. And everybody said amen and amen and amen and amen. Give her a hand, would you do that please? God is so, so good. And Ashley, we love you so very much. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, what a, what a great night. And I know that God is going to do something powerful in the life of Ashley. And I believe he's going to do something in, the, in, in your life as well, starting right now. It's amazing to me. This is the grand opening weekend of one of our campuses. And, and I want to share a message with you that I think that might inspire you just a little bit. It's amazing to me how many doors we walk through in our lives. We went through a bunch of doors. I counted probably at least four doors you went through to get into to church wherever, wherever you're meeting today. Um, maybe you went through, your, you had to get in your car door, probably went through your front door, probably came into the church door, whatever church your building looks like. Maybe you went through the bathroom door before you came into the auditorium door, but a series of doors. We have a lot of doors in our lives. There's, there's the lobby doors and electronic doors and pet doors and bedroom doors and bathroom doors and front doors and back doors and sliding doors and all kinds of doors. Our culture is a culture of doors. We go through doors all the time. In fact, as I read God's word, the, the, the concept, the subject of, of doors is a central theme in the word of God. Hmm. So today I've got for you four short stories that I wanna share with you. And I'm calling them door stories. Are you all ready for this? Are you ready in Modesto? I hope you are. Door story number one. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, way back in the book of Genesis, way back into Genesis chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three, you'll see that there's Adam and Eve are tending to God's garden, the garden that he called the garden of Eden. And during this time, everything was perfect. You might call it like nirvana. Man and woman were living together with the animals, having the time of their lives regularly communicate. Can you imagine communicating, walking in the coolness of the garden side by side with almighty God? They were there with God and God was there with them. They were spending time with God because God had kept open for them a very special door. And we're just gonna call this the door, the door to God. Now, the door, the door to God was a door that God had left open to all human beings. Adam and Eve, and of course, all of their family, the plan of God was that this door would remain open all the time, forever. 
that we could have complete access to God. Have, imagine the door to God had been opened. Why would anybody want to close the door to God? But then it happened. Adam and Eve decided they were going to go their own way decided that they were going to do their own thing, that they decided that they were going to turn their back on the door that God himself had provided for them. They decided that, in fact, they were convinced uh, by the serpent, they were convinced by Satan that they should go their own direction, that maybe they could become as powerful as, if not become God themselves. And so what they did was they slammed the door to God, and in doing so, they opened up a brand new door, the door to sin. The Bible tags this door as sin. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. And every single one of us chooses to go through this door at one or multiple times in our lives. Something looks appealing to us. Something looks like it will take the pain away. Something looks like it will bring comfort to us, that will bring pleasure to us. It's the door of sin. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve had full access to God. They had the door to God available to them, but they slammed the door to God in God's face. You ever had a door slammed in your face before? Makes you feel pretty upset, doesn't it? Makes you feel pretty angry, probably makes you feel kind of rejected. Now, if I was God, and you done did slam the door in my face, I might react a little bit differently than God did, right? I he could have said, it's due over time, wipe them all out. Well, that's gonna come a little bit later on in the story, right? He could have said, he could have said fine, fine, fine. You don't wanna walk with me, you wanna, I gave you free, I gave you the ability to think for yourself and choose for yourself, free choice, free will is yours. You wanna do it yourself, you're on your own. I'm withdrawing from you, and let's just see how, but God didn't do either one of those things. The Bible tells us that something happened after Adam and Eve sinned. Yes, God started his redemptive process, but he explains it through an illustration, through a visual demonstration. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they figured out all of a sudden that they were naked, that they, were, they didn't have any, no clothes on right? And all of a sudden, for the first time, they felt humiliation. They felt shame. By the way, that's a result of sin in this world. You should never feel humiliated. You shouldn't feel ashamed, but that's what sin does. And now it's in the world, and they decide they're going to do what's only logical to them in their finite brains. They're going to hide from God. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. There's no such thing as a closed door from God. You can't hide behind your office door, your car door, or your bedroom door. You can't hide from God. He's everywhere. And so God did something that fixed their nakedness. Come on out here. He took, now they were, they were spending their time. They had decided they were going to cover themselves up with fig leaves. But God decided he wanted to give them an illustration. He said, come here, Bambi. I don't know what he said, but he, come here, little animal. God gets a hold of an animal, and he takes the animal, and God slays 
the animal. In there had never been death before. Are you following this? Death had not been invented yet. This is the very first death in the Bible. Now think about it just for a second. Adam and Eve had to stand there or sit there or lay there, depending on what your perspective is of their reaction, and they had to watch the unnatural movements of death. Never seen it before. Imagine watching the blood spill out of that animal. Imagine for just a second, the animal didn't die immediately. There's some twitching involved. There's some nerve ending reactions involved in the dying process. And I am very confident that it was horrifying to Adam and Eve to see death that had never been invented before and to have the understanding and the realization that I caused this. I, I did this. God then skinned the dead animal and he takes the animal's skin and he gives it to them. I'm not quite sure how God hands it to them, but I'm sure it didn't have a bow on it. And he hands it to them. And, and it, they, they use the skin to cover their nakedness. By the way, the original language of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for the animal skin is Levi Strauss. That's where we get blue jeans from. Did you know that? I'm just kidding. That's not true. I was just trying to make it a little bit lighter subject for you. So let's move on. So what was God doing? God was in this illustrated message foreshadowing what was to happen later. You see, even though sin had slammed the door to the relationship with God tight, God was communicating to mankind that it would take the shedding of blood from an innocent third party. It would take the shedding of blood, in this case, from an innocent animal, but later it would take the shedding of blood from God's one and only son. Wow. With this in mind, it's just mind blowing. With this in Adam had slammed the door to God and yet God was immediately working his plan of redemption to open that door up wide again. That's how much God loves us. It, this door deal is not done yet. It's all about, it's all about the door. Door story number two. A little bit later on in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, why does God even have people? Because God's plan to bring us back into relationship with him after we sinned was to build a nation. Now, I might not have chosen that route, but that's God. God chose that route, so he built a nation. And the nation is the Israelites. And at this point in history, the Israelites, God's people, had been captured and brought into slavery. It's a long story about how they got there, but now they're in slavery for some 400 years. That's a long time to be in slavery. And you're not gonna believe this, but their freedom came down to a door. You see, God sends Moses, Moses to go lead the Israelites out of bondage by sending 10 plagues to convince Pharaoh to release them. 
You remember the plagues, the frogs and the gnats and the flies and the boils and the locusts and the, and the, the grasshoppers and the blood and the hail of the darkness, all kinds of these plagues. Pastor Trinity and I were talking before the, before the gathering and we're like, I wonder how long it was between each one of those. And I'm thinking, that would, if it was like a, a, within a week, that had been, been like a horrible week, wouldn't it, right? We don't know how long it was between each one of those, but it just could have been, it was atrocious to experience what they experienced through those plagues. But the final plague that God sends, um, the instructions were to the Israelites, to his people, find an unblemished lamb and kill it. Sacrifice that lamb, drain its blood, and then take that blood and paint it over the door frame of your house, outside the front door. Now that sounds kind of gruesome to us, but without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or forgiveness of sins in that time. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna send an angel, and this angel's got a portfolio that nobody likes. He's the death angel. And I'm gonna send him to the world and he is gonna kill the firstborn of everything unless that firstborn is in a house that has the blood of an unblemished lamb painted over its doorposts. And if you have the blood of an unblemished sacrificed lamb painted over your doorposts, the death angel will pass over your house which is why we celebrate or remember that season, particularly in the Jewish faith, it's called the Passover. It's on your calendars. We're remembering the death angel passed over. Can you imagine the conversation? Daddy, what's, what you doing? And he probably would reply something like this. Son, it's freedom time. It's freedom time. And the death angel passed over the homes with the blood, but every firstborn man, every firstborn woman, every firstborn child, every firstborn animal, every firstborn pet, everything that was firstborn died. It's all about the door. Door story number three. A little bit later on in the Bible, all the way up until Jesus' time, we have what's called the tabernacle. You see a picture of the tabernacle on your screen. And the tabernacle, it wasn't a very large um, room. In fact, in most of our buildings that you're in right now, it's about the size of the auditorium. It was a rather small building. But in that building, about two-thirds of it was a place where man could go into. But a third of it was what's called the holy of holies and and it wasn't so much about the building as it was what the building contained and what the holy of holies had is it had the ark of the covenant and inside the ark of the covenant was the tangible presence of god now we have a hard time comprehending that but god was there in the holy of holies once a year the high priest would be allowed to go through the door to get into the Holy of Holies. Now that door was actually a curtain, a very, very thick curtain. It's called a veil. It was about four to six inches thick. It would take a team of horses, energy, and at their best, they could maybe tear it just slightly. Well, once a year, the high priest would go through the door, go through the veil. After he had gone through a ceremonial cleansing process, and he would go in to make atonement for the sins 
of God's people. Atonement, forgiveness would be granted annually to God's people for the sins that they had committed because the priest would go in to try to make atonement for them. He would, he would ceremonially ask for forgiveness before the presence of God for the people. And during this time, if the priest, the high priest, had some sort of hidden sin inside of him, known or unknown, um, here's how they would handle that. They would tie a rope. It wouldn't be one of these poly ropes because they didn't have it then, but they would tie a rope around his ankle and they would stand. Could you put the picture of the, the, the ark back up there? They would stand at, on the outside of the curtain holding onto one end of the rope and on the other end of the rope, they tie it to his ankle and they would also tie a bell onto that. And so when they heard the bell ringing, they would know that the high priest is in there walking around and he is communing with God. He is asking for God's forgiveness. But if the bell stopped the ringing, they would know, uh-oh, high priest had some sin that he never told nobody about, that he didn't get cleaned up, and he would drop dead immediately in the presence of God. And the purpose of the rope on his ankle is to pull that dead corpse out of there and get him buried and gone. And then they go through the process again. And this was actually a regular occurrence. This wasn't, wasn't something that never happened. It happened multiple times. But the high priest would have to go in annually to make atonement, to grant, get forgiveness granted for the sins of God's people. He had to go through the door. It's all about the door. Door story number four. Then God decides to do something. He had already decided to do something. He'd been working his plan for thousands of years. But then the culmination of God's plan takes place. You see, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, at what we celebrate as Christmas time. And, and when God gave us Jesus as that baby born in the manger, in, in the stable, he chose a very special birth announcement. It was like what we attended today uh, for my daughter, a gender reveal party. How much fun, right? It's a, well, it's a boy apparently because it says right here, right? It was Jesus. But this gender reveal party, the announcement was made, the announcement was made to a certain group of people. Think about this. Almighty God has been working his redemption story all the way through the Old Testament for thousands of years. And now the son of God has been born to give his life as a ransom for our souls. And God chooses to announce this incredible event to a group of kings. No, to a group of government leaders. No, to a group of pastors. No, to a group of shepherds who were summoned by the angelic announcement that Jesus had been born. So when we see the baby Jesus and they see the baby Jesus, God chose these shepherds to announce it to. And maybe you got to wonder why. Well, maybe God did that because he wanted us to know that he identifies with the lowest of all people because the lowest of all people on the totem pole back then was, was, was shepherds. Maybe he wanted us to know that he identifies with the lonely. If you were a shepherd out in the field, you would be lonely, right? 
And so he wants us to know that he identifies with the lowlier. Maybe he's telling us, I want you to know that I identify with the outcasts, all the outcasts. Maybe, maybe you feel like an outcast from time to time. Perhaps he's identifying with the uneducated or, or the poor, which is what shepherds were. But I think there's another reason that God chose shepherds to make this inaugural announcement of the birth of his one and only son because God knew what it took to be a good shepherd. Shepherds would take care of their sheep. And at nighttime, when uh, the shepherd had been protecting the sheep all day long, the shepherd would need to protect the sheep at night because that's primarily when the predators would come out. And the way that a shepherd who had been roaming with the sheep throughout the day, the way that a shepherd would protect the sheep is by taking thicket and taking thorns and maybe against the side of a hill, um, but he would, he would build uh, like a fence, if you will, with thicket and thorns that was big enough of a corral for the sheep to go into. And then at night, he would, he would usher the sheep into the sheep pen. They'd go in there where they would be, they'd find themselves to be safe and satisfied and secure. The only problem was the shepherd never ever built a door to get into the sheep pen. Instead, the shepherd had to be alert during the prime time of evil, of hunting. The shepherd, who was a good shepherd, would instead of building a door, would lay his body down as the door and would spend the night sleeping in protective mode, making sure that the sheep were safe from the wolves and the bears and the lions. A good shepherd knows how to lay his life down to protect the sheep. It's all about the door. So let's fast forward in this baby Jesus life about 32 years. Now he's, he's, a, he's about uh, just short into his 36 month period of ministry, his three year period of ministry from the age of 30 to 33 before he dies on the cross. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse number nine, I am the door. That's what Jesus says. He says, he's the door. We need to enter through that door. And when we do, we too will be safe and secure and satisfied. And then Jesus continues in verses 10 and 11. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Somebody say amen. amen. It's all about the door. But ladies and gentlemen, we must go through the right door. Jesus is the door. If there had been another door, God the Father would have said, well, let's just stop right here because there's always the door of Buddha. There's always the door of Joseph Smith and the Mormon church. There's always the door of Scientology. There's always the door of Islam. There's always the door of Christian scientists. There's always the door of being a good person. There's always the door of following the rules. No. And if I stepped on your toes, 
I love you, but I'm telling you the truth. There is only one door, and his name is Jesus Christ. You know what I've discovered about life at 51, almost 52 years old? Life is a series of doors. There's doors everywhere. We're always closing doors, and we're always opening doors. And if you're a parent, you're always saying, close the door, right? Does anybody else have uh, here in the valley anyway of central California had deal with those little lizards, little, little fast little suckers, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? We got some in our backyard and they, they, apparently they kill the ants, so I stopped killing the lizards, so that's a good thing, right? But if I leave my, my screen door open, we have a putting green in the backyard. I just have the dream backyard. I love it. God has been good to us. Uh, anyway, thank God for the COVID relief funds because we use those wisely. Anyway, but in our backyard, it looks really nice. Anyway, so in our backyard, but we, people go out, kids out there, the grandkids out there, they leave the door open. Don't leave the door open, man because I want them things to stay outside because I ain't going to be able to chase one of them suckers down in my house and I sure as heck ain't staying in the house if there's one in there. <laughs> there's doors everywhere. But there are three important doors. There are three important doors that you need to be aware of. There's, there's the door to your birth. There's the door to your death. And you don't have control over either one of those. You don't have control over you being born. And as much as you want to, you have no control over the door of your death. But the third door, the only door you do have control over is the door of your life. Oftentimes I'll read it at, at committal services, at, 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 um, at funeral gatherings. I'll read uh, uh, the dash, you've perhaps heard the poem. And it talks about the beginning of your life and the end are on the tombstone. But what matters most is how you live your dash. It's a powerful, powerful poem that is, uh, it's unknown who actually wrote, wrote that poem. But you get to decide this door. You get to decide your life. Maybe you'll put off till next time. Maybe you'll hit pause for a week or for a year. But I'm here to tell you, you have no guarantee of more time. You only have a guarantee of right now. The other day I was standing in line at one of our grocery stores here in Central California called Save Mart. I was standing in line, I was waiting to pay for some stuff. And while I was waiting to pay for some stuff, I noticed I noticed the doors, probably because I'm working on this thing. It was really humorous to me. People would come in and people would go out regularly. And it didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter how big their paycheck was. It didn't matter how many kids they had. It didn't matter how they were dressed or if they were dressed barely at all. It didn't really matter. 100% of the time, the automatic doors open for them. Even when they weren't looking at the door, they're looking at their phone or they're looking at their list or they're talking to their kid, but the door, they just kept on going because they knew the door wasn't gonna refuse anybody. The people had faith to keep walking because they knew the door would be opened unto them. Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me, 
prostitutes and adulterers and addicts and liars and cheaters and people caught in lust and in greed. Whoever, Jesus says, whoever, Jesus says, you come through me, he says. Maybe you've gone through a series of doors in your life, financial doors or failed relationship doors or status doors. But here's what I know. Every one of us, every one of us has a desire for this door. Because what's on the other side of this door is a relationship with God. Did you hear what I just said? What's on the other side of this door is a relationship with God. In other words, God is giving us a second chance. He's giving us an opportunity that we might be able to be back in relationship with him just like in the Garden of Eden, way back in the beginning. God promised that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. Somebody say amen. There is, there is a way, but you've got to go through the door and the door to sin will lead you nowhere. But when you go through this door, this door will lead you back into relationship with God. We started with the first door. We started with the door to God. And then we replaced it by slamming that door. And then we, we decided we're gonna go the door, the door with sin. But Jesus tells us, if you'll go through me, the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for you, because some 2,000 years ago, a baby born in a feeding trough would give his life so we could be forgiven. The first door was shut by the first Adam. And the second door was opened by the second Adam, and that's Jesus. Through Jesus, the door to eternal life is open because I said this before, John 14, six, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is an access point to God, and it's Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no other option. Let's, let's pray. Mighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given to us this illustration of doors. Thank you, Jesus, that you have shown us the way. And the only way that we can get access back to God again is through the door of the good shepherd whose name is Jesus Christ, who already laid his life down and gave it all as a ransom for our souls. But we must choose. We don't have any control over our birth. We don't have any control over our death, but we have control over what we do with our life. And we must choose to go through the door of Jesus to be granted forgiveness of our sins and access to God. At all of our campuses, every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't care if there's two people, 22 people or 2,200 people in your gathering, heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to think for just a moment. Have I received forgiveness from my sins? And the only way I can be forgiven is for me to willfully and intentionally choose to go through the door of Jesus Christ. I don't have to understand it all. I just have to, by faith, believe and trust 
that Jesus gave his life once and for all for my sins. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around, I wonder if there's someone here today, someone in Modesto or someone in, in Decula or online that would say, I do not have a relationship with God or I have turned my back like Adam did and I slammed the door on God. I didn't mean to, but I did. And as I look now, I need access to God again. I must go through Jesus and I am so sorry for what I've done. And I beg God for forgiveness and I invite him to come into my life and I ask that Jesus would give me access to God once again. And if that's the cry of your heart and the prayer in your mind, then on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up no matter where you're at. I don't care what degree you have, how many letters you have behind your name. I don't care how much money is in the bank. I don't care how poor you think you are. I don't care how lost you feel you've been. God loves you. He's calling you back today and he wants to be in relationship with you. You just have to go through the door of his son, Jesus Christ. And the way to do that is by praying a prayer of faith. And that's what I'm gonna do with you. On the count of three, you lift your hand and we'll pray together and you'll go through that door. One, two, three. Put your hand up all over the place. Come on now, put that hand up. Say, God, forgive me. Come into my heart, change my life. Pray that prayer right now. God, forgive me. Come into my heart, change my life. You're my Lord and you're my Savior. Jesus, help me, Jesus. I need your help today, God. Forgive me of all my sins in the mighty, powerful, holy, awesome, incredible name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. And everywhere, every campus, give the Lord a hand clap. Tell him how much you love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.